0: Can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to be a radical feminist?
1: Sure. Well, I grew up in New York, some of those years on Long Island, some of them a little north of the city, and some of those years in Brooklyn. I studied linguistics at a state university, and soon after graduation, I began volunteering for anti-poverty and women's organizations. And like many young women, you know, I felt the injustices that were done to women, but I couldn't articulate my thoughts until I was older, maybe about 20. Um, Classes I'd taken on postmodernism and other ones that centered women's lives had opened me to women's history, you know, that notorious women's herstory. And uh, in those herstory stories, I recognized my own life experiences for the first time. And I started calling myself feminist, and I more actively sought out women's books and media. And at this time, I started learning how to do political work through a grassroots citizen's lobby called Results, and they really taught me the mechanics of democracy, how to write letters, visit your representatives, organize for a cause, fundraise for a cause. Um, At that time, I was also volunteering on the media teams for the Green Party City Council candidates in Brooklyn and for Ralph Nader's campaign. Then I moved to Portland, Oregon in 2001 and started doing anti-prostitution activism in earnest. And since then, eliminating sexual slavery has pretty much been my main gig for the past 14 years.
0: Mm-hmm. Most
1: recently, I co-founded the radical feminist organization, WOLF, the Women's Liberation Fund.
0: Okay. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about your experiences as a poll worker What did you learn from these experiences?
1: Sure. Um, well, I was living in Brooklyn during the debacle of the 2000 presidential election between George W. Bush and Al Gore. And I was very politically active and leading a group for that Citizens' Lobby results I just spoke of. And I was volunteering as a poll watcher in Manhattan. Um, In Manhattan, where I worked, the polling area was very nice and I helped one woman fill out an affidavit ballot because she didn't know if she had registered or not. But my partner, had been doing his poll watching in Brooklyn, and the stories that he came back with of the things he saw were just uh, amazing. Um, everybody was talking about Florida's shady ballots, but what from, I saw from the 2000 election under my nose in New York, well, it just broke the liberal that I was. You know, And it was the kind of spiritual breaking from which radical feminists are eventually rebuilt. My partner witnessed broken machines, and I don't know if you know, but when any one part of a voting machine doesn't work, the entire machine is shut down. Brooklyn had this happening a lot. Um, they ran out of the paper ballots when the machine ba- ballots were breaking. They just ran out of paper ones. And then at 8 p.m., when the polls closed, there were still long lines of people standing in front who didn't get a chance to vote. Hmm. And we're talking about, in you know, just like one district in Brooklyn that nobody else in the country was talking about because they were talking about Florida. But I just think this magnified times the rest of the United States, it it truly just broke me. And my optimistic enthusiasm as a citizen participating in democracy, Mm -hmm. it just got washed away like child's chalk. It meant nothing.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, there are so many places, polling places, and so... Um, doesn't it all come out in the wash and even out in the long run in in our democracy? So yes, there are always going to be shenanigans and people cheating and voting machines that don't work. But in the long run, you know, this is the system that we have, and most votes get counted. And so, doesn't it all kind of
1: even out? I wish I could believe that anymore. But the more I investigated and looked into, name many people have forgotten, Diebold, the company that owns the machines. I mean, they own the machines and the corporations own Diebold. And okay. so I, I, my faith that these votes are being counted, You know, there's, there's so many levels between where my faith in democracy is and the mechanics of this system as I witness it that I, I don't believe it is a fair system by a long shot, which isn't to say we shouldn't keep trying, but it is to say uh, I have a heavy amount of skepticism that presidential elections and the voting that goes into that much matter. The Electoral College makes everybody's vote a symbolic vote. I know those of us who have voted third party, we're often told that our vote is the symbolic vote. But, you know, that Electoral College means there is no direct transfer of power when you press that little button or you write that name on. It's metaphoric. It's an idea, a suggestion. But the people, mostly men, who do make those votes for the Electoral College, they don't have to listen to the popular vote, as we found out, tragically, in the year 2000.
0: Yeah, and you're referring to
1: what what happened in 2000? to refresh our memory. Sure. I mean, I know many people forget it, but I'm not exaggerating when I say that was traumatizing for me. You know, as a productive member of society, doing what everybody had told me I should be doing to be a productive citizen and to see what nonsense was really going on behind the scenes. Well, you know, the embarrassment of the 2000 presidential election between George W. Bush and Al Gore – After that, Hillary Rodham Clinton had promised to fix the USA's system, and as soon as she was elected, my senator in New York, I voted for her, Um, she didn't follow through on those promises. She didn't fix the Electoral College. She didn't open investigations into Florida, and she had such a strong chance. It broke my heart when the Black Caucus tried to bring a legitimate objection to the voter fraud they saw happening. And they just needed one Democratic senator, senator, just one, to support opening an investigation. And not a single senator would support them, including Hillary Rodham Clinton. She would not open an investigation into voter roll purging. And that you know, these things add up, and I don't forget the process. I don't want to get into the nitpicking of yeah. the people because it's a problem of the process.
0: And thank you for reminding us of those details, because I I do think that there's active forgetting that happens about um, our elections every four years, you know. They always sure. make it new and fresh and exciting and dynamic, and this is the here and the now, and the past is the past, and we're the greatest country on earth, and, you know, so... What do you think of the U.S. electoral political system as far as women are concerned? And do you think this system can be reformed?
1: Well, I do think it can be reformed. I do my efforts towards reforming it, towards third-party voters, towards instant runoff voting, which works very well in other countries and other systems. So I do believe it can be reformed. But, you know, as pertains to this current election, let's just not forget that Rodham Clinton is not a reformer. And I say that particularly Rodham Clinton because I don't want everybody to forget that she used to be known as Hillary Rodham Clinton. But polling shows that she is most popular when she is most conforming to traditional gender roles, such as when sticking by her husband during the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Her ratings were so high standing by her husband during the Lewinsky scandal. And I think this is why she no longer calls herself Rodham Clinton, because it is not traditional to keep your maiden name in your name. And so now she's just Hillary Clinton. But I like that Rodham. I'm going to keep calling her that. Yeah. With that
0: in mind, do you think that we as feminists should be encouraging each other to vote for Hillary Clinton, the first woman ever to get this close
1: to the presidency? I wouldn't discourage it. My more radical stance on it is, it doesn't much matter. I think the matter's already been decided. Uh, You know, I think presidential elections—they don't leave such things into the hands of people like you and me. But whether it's worth voting for, even on a symbolic level, that's a conversation that's worth having. You know, I I have voted for women on the presidential ticket in 2000 for Winona LaDuke, and then again in 2008 for Cynthia McKinney, and then again in 2012 for Jill Stein. I don't forget that my vote is purely symbolic. So I vote symbolically for women. That's my choice. That's what I do. I have serious issues with family dynasties in what is supposed to be a democracy. You know, we had two Roosevelt presidents. We had two Bush presidents. We're going to have two Clintons. I don't think a true democracy would show that pattern of mm-hmm. family dynasties. At the same time, I'm not going to hold Hillary Rodham Clinton especially out for this. This is how power works. This is how politics works. She's not unique in this. I don't think it's, you know, a mark against her that she is playing the system she was born into. I mean, any of us would, most of us do. Mm-hmm. But if we could
0: live in our ideal society, what would truly radical feminist
1: politics look like in America? For me, you know, considering my life's work is ending prostitution, Specifically, For me, Radical Feminist USA looks like adopting the Nordic model that decriminalizes prostitution and criminalizes sexual predation. I mean, uh, to me, it harkens to a larger role of drawing the lines around sexual boundaries, just letting women have boundaries. And so I support that in its entire anti-rape goal that I do. Um, I do criticize political systems while understanding they are necessary. And I also work outside those systems to accomplish my anti-prostitution goals. And I am a firm believer in direct action, and I teach workshops on radical feminist activism that are focused on achieving results in any way that works. And to me, that's what radical feminism in America could and should be. Cool. So you are into
0: direct action, and uh, what do you think radical feminist women... Should be doing right now or could be doing, what are some ideas for us as the
1: elections hype reaches a boil all around us? Well, just as, you know, Barack Obama's campaign and subsequent election and presidency left this nation not more healed on a racist level, but less. You know, it caused more turmoil. There's more backlash. You know, women are experiencing this as well. Clearly, we know this is going on in a sharp focus. So. What I would say to women is, well, first protect yourself in this environment. You know, women get punched and hurt and raped and throttled around every day in this country in far too great numbers. And so whatever you're going to do, be careful and protect yourself. But speak back. I think that is the first, and for many women, the hardest thing to do is to just, when that thing that makes you uncomfortable is said in front of you or that advertisement Is put in front of you. Talk back to it. Write back to it. You know, I I Mm -hmm. believe in writing on advertisements. You know, they put it to me saying, hey, Sam, let's have a public conversation about this. Well, I'm just responding to their invitation to have a public conversation about this. Carry a black marker (laughs) and be careful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you think women's liberation is possible under the current two-party system? Hmm, well, that's a tough
1: one. I, I do believe that it's not, which is why I wholeheartedly support efforts to increase the spectrum of political participation in this nation. It's been done very well in other countries. I don't hang my hopes on whichever king or queen of the moment is sitting on the American throne. So as someone who was once deeply invested in elections as a tool for change, it's not so easy for me to just say, well, the whole system's rotten, just ignore it. You can't. Don't ignore it. It's there. But I think the US elections are predecided at the presidential level and corrupt but not hopelessly broken at the state and local level. You can still affect change there. And on the plus side, local elections are not always as bottlenecked into only two parties. Mm-hmm. After reading more Robin Morgan's
0: open letter to millennial voters, did it change your mind
1: about anything? Oh, not as much as anybody who's ever tried to use fear to motivate me has ever changed my mind on something.
0: Yeah. You know, I
1: respect Robin Morgan's work, and I remain unswayed by her plea. Um, she had written a similar essay when George W. Bush was running, and the points are very familiar to those of us who have dedicated ourselves to systemic change. How many times can Chick-a- Chicken Little tell me that the sky is falling when I can look up and see that after eight years of Reagan, the sky is still there? And after eight mm-hmm. years of W, so the sky is still there. And my <laughs> gut reaction is that telling me that I must vote against Trump feels like an attempt to manipulate me with fear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When Obama was running, there were no signs that were saying anyone but Mitt Romney. There were signs about hope and signs about change and believing not anyone but x that is a, a losing strategy yeah. it doesn't move people's souls it shouldn't my final point on that is to just think of all the research that has gone into parenting that finds that fear and threats of punishment are inefficient solutions ones that destroy the potential for long-term relationships a better model is to change behaviors to incentivize positive outcomes, be positive about it. Aim for something instead of running away from something. Simply hammering on the negative isn't an effective strategy, especially for women who have been told our whole lives to fear, 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 fear. You know that note is getting old. Yeah. Well, I hope there are lots of
0: millennial listeners out there talking or hearing you today. Um, Sam, what, what can we say to our radical feminist friends who are pushing voting and kind of using that fear tactic and having to choose between the lesser of two evils and it really does make a difference and the sky is going to fall if you don't, you know. What, what do we say? Because I, I've just been noticing online that a lot of women who are radical feminists, it's kind of like football, right? It's like people can be totally sane and normal in social situations, but then when the big football game is on, they get kind of riled up, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel sort of the same way about American presidential electoral politics every four years. And so um, I'm not saying these women are not radical feminists. I'm saying there are some that are pushing as a tactic, voting and using these fear tactics. What, What kinds of things do you think we can do to counter that?
1: Well, I I would first and always remind them that all voting is a symbolic act in the United States unless you're in their electoral college, and very few women are in the electoral college. When feminists are told that women are just as violent as men, and somehow these men all manage to bring up the same example of Margaret Thatcher, you know, we have to remind them that England's woman leader from 30 years ago is an example of how the most privileged, wealthy women who want to be a nation's figurehead have got to agree to work for the corporate elites. That's the way the game is played. That's what the men do. They understand that. Radical feminists understand that individual women in leadership positions is not itself a game changer. Where we begin to see change is when 30% of government positions are held by women at all the levels, not just one select one at the top, That stands alone. And I respect people who vote for women with that larger 30% goal in mind. I I get people can go multiple ways on that, but the motivation for it is one I respect. And I never believed that Barack Obama's presidency was going to lead to change I can believe in. (laughs) But I am glad that black people can see something of themselves in the next, you know, in the latest U.S. president. It's important for tens of millions of black people to find something for themselves in a black American president, and it is for women, too. Men are lashing out at black people in this country right now, and they're lashing out at women, too. I feel like Hillary Clinton is like the Ghostbusters reboot from this summer. You know, she's not fantastic in herself, but possibly necessary for little girls to see women doing human things, things that anger men just because they're done by women.
0: Yeah, cool. Is there anything else you would like to say to our WLRM
1: listeners? Sure. Well, um, well, as a woman and as radicals and as feminists, I trust that whether or not you vote and whoever you choose to vote for, that you know that voting has a minimal impact compared to the hard grassroots labor of making social change. You know, I wish it were as easy as pulling that button, filling in that little circle that it truly isn't. And on Wednesday, November 9th, radical feminists are going to get back to work for women, and those are the efforts that are truly going to change the world.